Welcome to the Vine Podcast. This is Warren, and today we are going to be talking about parables. If you read through the Gospels, and specifically in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you find that one of Jesus' preferred methods of teaching was telling parables. In fact, based on what we have in those accounts, this might have been his primary method of teaching. So why parables, and what does that teaching method tell us about Jesus, about his mission, and about the ways in which he's calling us to respond? And is there anything we can take from the fact that God in flesh chose to reveal the complexities of the kingdom of God in stories about seeds, lost coins, farmers, debt, and bread? So we're going to get into some of that a little bit today. And once again, Rachel is joining me for conversation again. Hello, Rachel. Hey, Warren. Hey, everybody. Good to be on the podcast again. Excited to talk about seeds and stuff today. Yes. Talk about seeds and stuff. That's where we're headed. So so we're going to jump right into that conversation here in just a minute. But I do also want to mention sort of at the outset here that over the next several weeks, we're going to de- devote most or, or all of our episodes to conversations with some other members of our church family, uh, mostly people who have traditionally not been heard in this space. And uh, we hope this will give us the opportunity there to, to get to know some people a little better. This will be a chance to highlight some, uh, some of the kind of the life stories and faith journeys of some of our, our family members um, and also look at and think about some of the more specific and and recent experiences and challenges that that some of our family members have have kind of been uh, dealing with and and going through and experiencing and so we think that this will be that these will be encouraging conversations that they'll be beneficial and enlightening as well as just a good way to get to know some of our people a little better and so before we get to parables today Rachel I'm curious to know kind of what you're looking forward to in this this sort of podcast series of sorts that kind of materialized uh, somewhat purposely, in, in part because of some of your ideas and some of the conversations that you kind of wanted to pursue, but also kind of seemed to kind of come together organically because of what we had kind of collectively been thinking about. And so just what, what are you looking forward to over the course of kind of these next several conversations? I think that every person has wisdom and life to give. It's something to enlighten the rest of us because each person's life is unique and the journey that they've walked with God is different than the rest of us. And I'm excited in learning from some people and hearing what they've been through and what their faith has meant to them in different seasons and just getting to know people. I am still new and there are a lot of people that I actually haven't met in person ever. (laughs) Um, So I'm excited uh, to get to know people on a personal level, um, and to learn, to have a humble posture and, and hear what God has taught people through their lives. Yeah. So like I said, that, that'll begin with our next episode and we'll have a string of about four or five of those conversations that are kind of lined up that we think will, will happen sequentially, but that's, you know, as we all know, Plans can change, so so we'll see we'll see how that goes. But that's the plan. Um, and so I wanted to talk but before we kind of get into that over the next several weeks. I wanted to talk today about parables, in part because this is kind of this is the time of year when when I normally try to kind of map out the year ahead as far as sermons go and sermon series go, and 
a, a series on parables is, is sort of one of the bigger ones that I want to do this year. And it won't come probably until later in the year. This will probably be in the fall when we actually get into this as a sermon series. But I've kind of been thinking about parables and wanted to do just kind of a general conversation about them today. Because I think, you know, as I was thinking about that series, I want to dig into the parables more so than just, um, you know, I think a lot of times when we think about the parables and think about kind of a series on parables, we kind of see them as as kind of disconnected stories that maybe implore us to some type of uh, of positive moral behavior. Um, and even as I have kind of taught them in the past and done series on them in the past, I think that's kind of how I've traditionally kind of dealt with them. But I want to kind of dig into a little more of like, what is Jesus, what is Jesus doing in, in parables? What do we see him doing kind of if, if we take them broadly? Uh, and why parables? Why does he choose this method? And, and get into some things like that and, and to look at kind of holistically, what is Jesus communicating to us through his teachings and, and through his use of parables? And, and then take some specifics, of course. We'll be looking, of course, at the specific, specific parables and so I kind of wanted to just just have an introductory conversation about that today, looking way far ahead, but there's some things that kind of been on my mind that I thought would be interesting for us to discuss. And then the benefit of this will be that the series will probably be like eight months from now. And so eight months from now, if we end up liking this conversation, we can point people back to it. And if not, we can just kind of redo it. And uh, <laughs> if we want to redo it for whatever reason, we can do it then and people probably won't remember. But uh, but we'll get into it a little bit today. And so to, to get us started then with that conversation today, I want to read a scripture from Matthew 13. And I'll say a couple of quick things about it. And then I'd be curious to hear to hear your thoughts, Rachel, about this passage or just kind of about parables in general. But I think this passage gives us a, a good kind of glimpse into not, not only a kind of the, the type of parables that Jesus taught and used, but, but, but a little bit of a kind of a peek of, of what Jesus is hoping to do with them. So this is Matthew 13 in verses 31 to 35. It says, He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. All right, so with that kind of as the background for, for some of our conversation, as, you know, as I've been thinking about parables, I, I think I've sort of had this thought that, that Jesus spoke in parables because it gave him like this way to communicate new ways of thinking about the world in in terms and imagery that was that were familiar to kind of his his primary audience at that time right that he uses a lot of agricultural type language a lot of farming planting rain uh you know things like that and 
and I think to a certain extent that that is true, and that's the case. But I don't think it's it gives us like the complete picture. I don't think it's all of what's going on there, um, because like a, along those lines, I think a lot of the times, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I think we think of parables as sort of like these easy to understand stories that explain a hard to understand concept. Or, or give us like some type of moral imperative about here's what you're supposed to go and do. You're supposed to be kind to other people. You're supposed to forgive, whatever it is. But I think what we find is that the people that, that, that Jesus is talking to and, and that are originally hearing these parables often didn't understand them. And Jesus seems like not only okay with that, but that that's almost like part of the, that's baked into the design that like that's part of the purpose here is that you're not going to fully grasp this upon hearing it for the first time. Uh, and in fact, in Mark 4, he says this to the, the, the disciples ask him about like one of the parables. And he says, Jesus says, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven, which almost sounds like harsh, right? Like you could read that in a way that sounds like Jesus like is kind of setting up this special club where only the people who like get it get to be in. And otherwise, you know, you're, you're kind of left out. Um, but, you know, Jesus has this other phrase that he uses a lot of, you know, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. This idea that, that this message is going to be heard and understand by those who have ears who are ready to hear it. Uh, who have hearts who are ready to receive it. And, and, and like I said, Jesus seems very okay with that and, and kind of leaving things kind of in that uh, vague almost setting. And so you can either agree uh, with that premise or challenge it, Rachel, but, but with that set up front, uh, let, let's kind of start here. Uh, what do you make of Jesus doing so much of his teachings in, in parables? Why? Why parables? Why do we? Why do you think that we see so much of those in Jesus's teachings? I think that there are so many reasons, and part of it is to widen the imagination of the listener to draw them into the story. It's compelling and it's interesting, and when you listen, you start to feel okay. There's a little bit more to this than what it just sounds like at first. Um, they're the kind of stories that you can, as you're walking your miles home after hearing the teaching, you're talking with your friend about it. Okay, so he said this. <laughs> oh, what do you think it means? What do you think it means? You know, it it prompts further conversation. And I think that Jesus came to show the truth of God, but that truth isn't necessarily easy. And it kind of needs time for the heart of the listener to process through and I think that the more people heard these parables for some of them the more their hearts softened to it and so it was like when you started to understand one it opened up an area of understanding for the next one and the next and it was almost like Jesus was building the faith in the disciples as they were going. Because <laughs> a lot of them, they didn't understand. But we do have some places where Jesus goes and explains to the disciples the meaning. And I think when they get an explanation like that and start to have the understanding, it helps them to understand how Jesus is teaching and to get where he's going with a lot of them. But I think that 
they probably didn't really get it until they saw him resurrected. Like hearing things about a seed being planted, it has to die. Uh, It can grow. I think that maybe they understood it on one level. And then when they saw Jesus on the cross, saw him die and saw him be resurrected, that it just sparked this memory of what Jesus said and, you know, was like, oh my goodness, like that's what he was talking about. He was talking about himself all along and the kingdom of God that he was starting. It wasn't some separate revolution that a lot of people were expecting. It was actually about him. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think I I like this idea of of Jesus um like you know as as the, again as as the son of god as god in flesh comes and is trying to to tell people about what the kingdom of god is like he's using imagery of seeds and plants and, and <laughs> like it's not this like high you know kind of i think sometimes we 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 feel like it, it kind of things have to be communicated in sort of kind of high language or mm-hmm. theological terms. Like Jesus doesn't come with like big theological terms, right? He comes with like mm-hmm. mustard seed and and plants and things like that. Yeah. And and that there there's stories that as you said are they they prompt further conversation. They were probably easy to remember mm. but but difficult to f- or took time to fully grasp. Mm-hmm. You know? And so anyone can can hear that story and remember it and retell it. But in order to fully grasp it and to to extract everything out of it that, that Jesus is, is probably intending for there to be there, you're going to have to spend some time with it. You're yeah. going to have to talk about it with others who heard it. And, and maybe, you know, if you and I hear the same story, we may both see a different perspective on it. But as we share our perspective with each other, we're going to come to a more f- full and complete understanding of it. Mm-hmm. And so it, it prompts... Uh, community building conversations, relationship building conversations, it prompts further discernment, it prompts thought and contemplation, and all these things that Jesus, and then later Paul, I think, tries to do in his writings as well, like this is what they're leading toward in their ministries, Mm -hmm. instead of just saying, you know, here's the answer, this is what it is. Um, Yeah, it seems to be inviting some of that. Yeah, and Jesus is wise. He knows what's coming. (laughs) He knows his death is ahead of him, and he knows the hate that a lot of people have towards him. And so instead of directly saying, I am the Messiah, and this is the kingdom of God right now, and (laughs) if you're not with me, you're not on the side of God, he veils his language a little bit so that he can take more time to invest in his leaders because through them, the kingdom of God and the church was going to come. And so he couldn't just totally come right out and say everything because the leaders of the day wouldn't have let that go on for much longer, probably. So I think in his wisdom, he knew how to word things that those who were going to get it would get it. And those who were against him were just sent home kind of confused. <laughs> they didn't have enough to go off of, you know, to make the accusations to crucify him. Yeah, and I, I think it's a good reminder for me that, like, um, 
if we if we believe the things that we say we believe about scripture and if we believe the things that that we that we claim about the spirit um then like it's not on us to explain every detail of things mm. to people so that they come to like my understanding of of mm. scripture and and faith you know like i think i think that's one of those things that i think i believe um but doing that, especially as like a teacher or a preacher mm-hmm. or a podcast host, <laughs> is maybe a little more difficult because we want others to come to see it my way, right? right? Like we want people to come to the same conclusions that I've come to, mm. or we just want to give people the answer mm-hmm. um, and say, here, you know, this is what it is. But, but you know, you, you look at it, a lot of the times when Jesus came t- to ask questions, and you know, there are a lot of times where the gospel writers do tell us like, okay, this, this person had some ulterior motives, you know, but, but even when people came genuinely seeking, a lot of times Jesus would answer in ways that seem sometimes disconnected from their question or, or from the mm-hmm. reason they came. We saw this in our Wednesday night Zoom gathering last week when we looked at the story of Nicodemus coming to Jesus and Nicodemus begins this conversation and then Jesus just seems to kind of take a right turn and just take it somewhere where Nicodemus didn't seem to be taking it at all. <laughs> um, and, or a lot of times somebody will ask him a question and he'll ask a question in response mm-hmm. or he'll tell a story and make them give the answer in for themselves. And so it's, it's a lot of that type of thing. And, and, you know, I remember in high school, uh, the way that our high school was set up, I had, I had two math teachers in, in my four years of high school, like mm-hmm. in, they kind of alternated. Like I said, one for, you know, like one freshman year, one sophomore year, and then they went back mm-hmm. and kind of, I had them again, rotated through them. And I remember thinking even in high school that one of those teachers was very gifted at teaching concepts mm-hmm. and one basically just knew how to show us the answer to like this problem. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I couldn't really explain why that was, but it was something you could feel in their teaching styles Mm -hmm. and, and, and how much easier it was to kind of, to, to take the concepts and and to take kind of the teachings of of the teacher who was able to do that well, and then go out and figure things out for Mm. myself and the other math work. And I sort of see Jesus as, as doing that, like giving people tools and equipping people for discernment and, and for figuring stuff out as they navigate this, this really this new way of seeing the world that he's calling them to. Mm-hmm. Because we already had the law. Like if you want the list, if you want the rules, that already exists. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Jesus exactly. Is making and that didn't a work out way. so well. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So he's making a different way. He is like, love God and love your neighbor. Like, these are the concepts. Okay, now apply that to these different scenarios or different ways of life, and it's going to work out when the spirit is in you. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's almost a parable in itself. (laughs) Jesus is the concept math teacher. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, he is. Because that's what people still are coming to Jesus with, right? Like, well, just give us the list, mm. right? What's the most important command? Just tell me, tell me what I have to do. Um, and so, and then even with with one of those questions, you know, the the guy follows up and says, "Well, then who is my neighbor? Like, just tell me the people that I have to love yeah. and those that I don't have to love, so I can go and do it." Mm-hmm. And and like the the story, the parable that Jesus tells into that to that specific question, is one that prompts the original questioner 
to rethink his question because hmm. he asks, who is my neighbor? Jesus tells a story about someone who acts like a neighbor and then says, so who acted like a neighbor in this story? And completely flips what that guy was asking. And, and so he never answers the guy's question. <laughs> Instead, he almost basically says, you know, you're asking the wrong question. Mm. Um, and, and again, to kind of take that back to our role is, is sometimes what we, what we should be thinking about and doing. When I, um, when I was a youth minister, um, I heard a guy say at a conference, my job isn't to get my teenagers, my job isn't to give my teenagers all the right answers, it's mm. to get them to ask the right questions. Mm. And, and I see that sort of as what Jesus is doing in some of these parables. Like if I can, if I can redirect you to this question, to this frame of mind, um, that's, that's kind of the goal of, of this parable or whatever, mm-hmm. perhaps. Yeah. And you have to have the relationship with God. Like once you've asked the right question, it's the relationship with God that will help you to have the right answer <laughs> to the question. Apart from that, you'll just be answering off of human wisdom or your preference or emotion and those will end up being misleading um and so i'm i'm curious and we 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 may come back to some of that but i'm curious to hear from your perspective because you know a lot so many of these parables are about planting about agriculture seeds things like that and i'm curious to know kind of from your after spending a lot of time in Kenya and after, you know, marrying someone whose livelihood was very wrapped up in, in farming and agriculture, did any of your perspective on any of those stories change or did you see any of that kind of in a different light after after those experiences? What was interesting to me is that the interaction of the people with the parables was beyond my expectation because it seems like in an agrarian society where day in and day out you're doing farming, (laughs) you're planting seeds, you're caring for sheep, you know, that when you read these parables in the Bible that have that type of imagery that you would kind of be like, yeah, I know, I get it, I do that every day. Like, let me move on to something that's challenging or something that's gonna teach me something new. But the experience that I saw with Christians in Kenya was that they could not get enough of these parables. Like they could not be satiated with the amount of time spent talking about these parables and mulling over these images. Like the the one that you read about the mustard seed and the tree, we spent probably six weeks of a discipleship class on those verses. <laughs> Um, and going over the tree and it's crazy because that's such a simple image a seed and a tree and birds Mm -hmm. and the women in prison spent so much time soaking up that image supported with other biblical passages to give them understanding and it helped them to see what the kingdom of God is and what is their place in it and they never got over it. <laughs> like they just kept wanting it and wanting it and wanting it. And I remember in church, um, sometimes I would always be like, oh, again? <laughs> like we're doing the parable of the sower again, you know? Um, and a friend of mine who I did house to house ministry with, who is an amazing evangelist and pastor, 
he would frequently share the passage that says a good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. And sometimes I would think, you know, that's so simple. Like, let's give them something Mm -hmm. a little bit more to deal with. Um, But it just seemed like it resonated so powerfully with them. And even though it was symbols and images that they were quite familiar with, that it was never too simplistic and it never lost its intrigue. They always had this attitude of there's something more here for me to understand. We could spend hours in church (laughs) in the morning discussing our interpretations of a single parable and it it was really quite thrilling to see that in an agrarian society where you have those images everywhere it's not old hat like Hmm. there's always something new to understand from it um and so that was humbling for me because it made me realize that i hadn't always taken these parables seriously enough and I hadn't spent enough time considering the wisdom and the beauty um, that they that they have for for all of us. Yeah, well, I think there's a there's a certain amount of disconnect between many of us in America and the parables, right? That if I've never, you know, if I've never grown my own food, right, um, I don't have much much of an appreciation for Mm. the work that goes into that to the process that goes into that you know all that type of stuff whereas if if jesus told a story that connected with some experience of mine Mm. there's like there's an embodied connection there that i that, that, that maybe you feel more intensely? Yeah, it was like they felt closer to Jesus because they could picture the things that he's talking about that they like actually did yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if Jesus told a story about, you know... Um, Driving carpool you know, being, or... <laughs> yeah, being, being really into sports but lacking yeah. athletic ability and yeah. the challenges <laughs> and struggles that came with that, like I... <laughs> I would feel that deep in my bones Me too. And, and I could connect to that and yeah, like I could, I could relate to, and there's probably a parable mm. in there somewhere about, you know, how you struggle with something that you, that you just uh, know you're never going to be proficient at. But, mm. um, um, but I, I was curious as you were talking specifically about the, the women in, in the prison and the, and that imagery of, of the mustard seed, did you find like was there something about that imagery that they found particular particularly meaningful or like was mm-hmm. there something redemptive about it in in some ways or what like what was it that kind of drew them to to that imagery? Well, we used it as an illustration for salvation and kind of the process of salvation. So we said the seed is the word of God, which is Jesus. And the roots that connect us to that seed is the grace of God. So we're saved by grace. The trunk is the strongest part of the tree. That's the faith, which, so, you know, this was kind of creative development because the parable doesn't spell those things out. And it's not that Jesus was trying to say each part represents a particular thing, but we developed upon the image that he had as a way to illustrate and hold this in the minds for the women to explain what salvation is. Um, 
and that the branches, we said, the branches are you. You are the branch. You are a branch in this tree. And the fruit comes off of you when the Spirit is alive and at work in you. So when you're saved by grace through faith connected to the seed, you bear good fruit. And even the birds, which are people who don't know God, they come, they're drawn, and they end up coming to join in the kingdom of God and to rest in the kingdom of God too. So the whole tree is the kingdom of God. It becomes the kingdom. So they saw that I have a place in the kingdom of God. I'm a branch. (laughs) And I get to bear fruit, fruit that's so compelling that other people come and join. I think for people that have made some severe mistakes in their lives and have felt like they couldn't do anything good, for them to realize that through welcoming the spirit into their lives and through salvation and grace and being connected to the word, they could bear fruit and do good things and that they could expand the kingdom of God and had a place in it. So I think it was definitely redemptive um, and encouraging. And it was just a couple verses from Jesus that we kind of, you know, combined with other passages of scripture to bring, um, to bring some hope and a new way of seeing themselves and their lives. Well, I think that's a that's a tangible example of what we talked about at the beginning, right? That there are these stories that invite further reflection mm. and and discernment and and application. That um, that yeah, Jesus is is communicating some some deep things about the kingdom of heaven mm-hmm. in these relatively simple stories mm-hmm. and 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 yeah that there's stuff to to mine there and to, to dig into and so i'm curious then um so you may not have an answer to this but i i'm curious if you if you do so the next parable in that specific account gets another short one and it says the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through the whole dough mm. so when i hear that um I hear, my goodness, 60 pounds of flour. That's a ton of flour. (laughs) (laughs) Who is mixing 60 pounds of flour (laughs) at one time? And how much time must it take Mm. for yeast to work through that much flour and dough? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. I'm wondering if you would have a thought on how would a... How would a woman in Kenya, maybe even specifically, how would a a woman who's in 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 your prison ministry mm. in Kenya, how would they read that, and what what might stand out to them, or what might uh, what imagery might be compelling for them in in that story? I think that it would be another reminder to trust God in the process that things aren't going to happen as quickly as you want them to, because a lot of them had prison sentences that um, they weren't actually convicted. They were serving time, but they had not yet received their sentence. And Mm. they're just kind of there and their life is wasted away and their children are out there. And I think that the one thing that I get from this parable is that God's will and his plan will come to fruition 
it might not look the way you expect and it might take longer than you want and you might sometimes be like but it's so small it's not working like the church is so small and the amount of faithful people is so tiny when you look at the entire world or even just like Americans you know like we could feel like there's so few of us are we really doing anything good is it making any difference um so I think the encouragement for me and probably for them is God will prevail. His kingdom will be victorious. Um, keep working. Like you have to do something. You're going to have to knead the dough. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's going to take some hours. It's going to take some hard work. and um, But the reward in the end will be worth it. Yeah. And I think, you know, that is this to me, another repeated theme in, in the parables is there seems to be this repeated idea that there is work that's required and needed on our part. Mm. And, you know, not, not to sound like, you know, quote unquote, work-based salvation or something, but if you just, just taking the the parables and, and thinking about them, there does seem to be this, this, this understanding that there's work required and, and needed on 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 our part, mm-hmm. but that we are not the one who has control over or is the power behind what comes of that work. Right. Does that make sense? Like in mm-hmm. this in this story, even it says this woman is is mixing the sixty fa- the, the the yeast into the flour mm-hmm. until it worked all the way through the dough. Like mm-hmm. the yeast is the one doing kind of the working and, and, and getting into all the spaces in the dough. Mm-hmm. But the woman has to do the mixing. And and it reminds me of this other parable then of, of the farmer. Jesus says something to the extent of the farmer plants and, and you know, does all this, you know, waters and, and tends to the crops and da-da-da-da-da, even though he doesn't understand um, how the plant grows or how the mm. crop grows or whatever it is that he says specifically there. Mm-hmm. And so there's like this recognition on, on the perspective of, of the, from the farmer that like, these are all steps that I have to go about doing, mm-hmm. but I don't really fully comprehend how it happens then. Right. <laughs> um, and, and especially in a time when they wouldn't have had, you know, kind of advanced knowledge of cells and photosynthesis Mm. and things like that that we have you know i mean they would have had kind of a general understanding of of agricultural principles obviously but but it's like hey i'm I'm doing this stuff i'm going to faithfully carry out this stuff without fully comprehending or understanding what all is going on here which again gets back to the point that we were talking about with with parables at the beginning that like uh there is this kind of element of of continued uh, growth and revelation that that goes into it, and and yeah, there are going to be things that we don't understand. There are going to be things that we don't comprehend. There are going to be things that we don't have control over. Mm-hmm. Um, but our job, our our role, is to to be faithful to uh, to the work and and to prayer and to uh, being open to the movement of the Spirit and all of those things, so that so that we can bear the fruit of the spirit with within our lives mm, amen yeah i think there's mystery involved i guess it's really faith it basically says if you are a person of faith you trust that god is at work um that he's hearing prayer that he's building his kingdom even if you look around and you don't see it every day <laughs> so to be somebody in the kingdom requires faith it's a must or else you'll get tired and you'll get cynical and ugly and give up yeah yeah 
But almost like this idea that if I can explain everything in my life, or if I can like point to the way that I have accomplished everything in my life, like on my own, like that doesn't, that's not faith. That's not the work of the spirit. That's the work Mm -hmm. of me. Right. Yeah. And that if I'm living faithfully, it sort of assumes there will be some things that like, Hey, I can't explain this or this, this required some power outside of myself Mm -hmm. in order for this to take place. Mm -hmm. Um, and if not, I'm just kind of fully reliant on me. Right. Yeah. I mean, it gives credit where credit is due. I think of when people celebrate anniversaries, you know, big anniversaries, a lot of people post on Facebook and stuff about their anniversaries and all the comments are congratulations, congratulations, congratulations. I tend to say glory to God because I feel like most people who are married have been married for a while, especially Christian people would say if it weren't for the Lord, (laughs) we would not, you know, still be here together. So I feel like the glory belongs to him. And that is one of the major features of the kingdom of God is that the glory goes where it belongs. Like the farmer didn't even know (laughs) how all this was happening. It was really God, the father who was at work and somehow miraculously chose to use the work of the farmer and favor it and make it prosper. Yeah, very good. Because, yeah, repeatedly throughout the parables, God is, I mean, well, yes, Jesus is calling us back to this understanding or this this reminder that these are stories about the kingdom of God, right? Mm-hmm. Like repeatedly, and even the ones that we read, that I read at the beginning, and, and several others start out, the kingdom of God is like. Mm-hmm. And so there are parables that seem to be calling us to certain types of actions or certain types of of kind of ways of living in the world. And I do think it's probably, it's probably not by accident that those tend to be the ones that we retell and focus on the most, mm. like the, the ones that we feel like are calling us to forgiveness or to mercy or to renewed perspective or whatever. Uh, but by and large, most of the parables are about like Jesus trying to communicate something about the kingdom mm-hmm. uh, or about himself, not something about like our uh what our actions should be. Right. Uh, now, again, that doesn't, like, that's kind of what this, you know, this this series that, that kind of, is, that's kind of how I've seen this series in First John. Like, in First John, I feel like John is laying out, here's who God is, here's who Jesus is, here's mm. who the Spirit is, and here's how you should live in response. Right. And I think that's kind of the unstated mm. call of Jesus' parables. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, these are, these are explanations of the kingdom, and that should have a, that should have an impact on you and right. how you go about living. But mm. but this is a way of of trying to get people who probably have a very different understanding or or thought of what the kingdom of God is going to look like mm. to to get that audience to see actually it's kind of like a mustard seed mm-hmm. right like like no it's not like a militarized overthrowment of of Rome mm. it's it's like yeast and dough mm-hmm. or it's like a mustard seed mm-hmm. or it's like a farmer who keeps going out and doing his work. Uh, like it's not this picture that you have. And, and to do that, you've got to start with these kind of stories that are going to start small and, and grow and, and develop and deepen. Yeah. There's another element that we haven't touched on and that's the judgment. And Jesus doesn't shy away from that either that one of the features of the aspects of the kingdom is there is judgment um, and there is separation of people. 
And so like there's the parable of the 10 virgins or the 10 bridesmaids and half of them are prepared uh, when the bridegroom comes and the other half aren't. Um, And so part of being in the kingdom means worshiping the king all along, like being ready for him and knowing that ultimately he is the goal, like he is the prize, he is the one um, that we're seeking for. So if your affections and your heart is going down a different path, then you're not reflecting the kingdom right now in your actions. And so I think maybe one other aspect that I think we've kind of touched on, but this will kind of be what I, my, my closing thought, at least for today, because as I've said, this is kind of looking ahead a little bit, but kind of maybe bringing, bringing in some sort of brainstorming or, or thinking about what, what is to come while also um, hopefully being uh, something that stirs thoughts or uh, is helpful in some way. But I think for, for me, like one thing that, that is something that I think I can personally hold on to just kind of from this kind of big, very preliminary um, exploration of, of parables that maybe others can too, is that I think I've, I've been struck already by, by the ideas and, and the themes that, that Jesus develops through these stories that to me show that, that the kingdom of God is really very ordinary and is, is wrapped in, in everyday life and activity. Um, and, and that sometimes, you know, again, in, in their setting, I, I think a lot of them were expecting some grand, you know, um, revolution, right? And, and Jesus comes and says, well, actually, it's, it's like this. And, and I think we can kind of have that in our own lives, too. Like, I want this, I want some big sign. I want, I want you know, this revelation. I want this, this road to Damascus moment, you know, that can kind of... Uh, send me in the right direction or whatever. And, and maybe there's this reminder for us that, that actually the kingdom of God is, is very connected to the mundane, to the ordinary, to the small things that you go about doing day in and day out. Um, and that, that the kingdom of God is not separated from those things. And in fact, that's what it's like. <laughs> right. I think you're touching on the already not yet aspect of the kingdom that part of it has already come because we are citizens of the kingdom and the king is alive in us. And so when Jesus tells us to pray, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, that's not just a future prayer. That's a right now prayer um, that we want the world to look more like heaven (laughs) because the kingdom of God is expanding here um, through our faith in him, through our righteousness and through the fruit that we create but I, there is a future element that it's not totally realized yet that there will be a time when God sets all things right and um, when there is justice and judgment and he does reveal himself to be the king and everybody will bow down to him, not those, not just those who, who did here and now. So I, I think that um, it's not fair for us to completely put it off for later and to only want the kingdom for the future. Um, But it's also not fair to only focus on now. So there's the tension of both already and not yet. And that, you know, something that that you kind of helped bring out in one of our earlier conversations when we talked about rituals and prayers and things like that is, is that idea that there can be, 
you know, there's a there can be a kingdom aspect to washing the dishes or to, to gardening. I think we're a couple of examples that, that you'd used in a previous conversation. And and as I've said, you know, even like our study of Leviticus for me personally gave me this better appreciation of of ritual and and um, and the mundane and, and rhythms and and that idea that that again to kind of take it back to a, a Jewish a Jewish farmer in 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 Jesus's audience who's probably very frustrated with you know I can imagine a Jewish farmer who's very frustrated with his his kind of plight in life that he's um he's now got to give a lot of what he takes in to to Roman tax collectors and and you know he's 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 frustrated with kind of how that's going and and maybe it just seems like he's going through all this stuff and there's not a lot of purpose to it and then what must that farmer feel like to have Jesus come and say, actually, the kingdom of, of God is like is like a farmer who goes mm. about his mundane tasks. It's like you um, in your work. <laughs> yeah, he's like you. He's like you in your work. Like the kingdom of God is what you're doing. And maybe that's me exporting my my American kind of <laughs> thoughts to, to what <laughs> a Jewish farmer would have thought as, yeah, as mundane, as mundane work. Um, but... But I think you can hear some of the frustration in some because there's also a lot about debt, about getting out of debt, right? And and you probably have a lot of Jewish people who are indebted to Rome now through through this kind of excessive taxation and stuff, which, um, you know, taxation is a uh, is a, across cultural and timelines is something that connects with everybody. Everyone's frustrated with taxes. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter where you are yeah. in the world, no one likes taxes. Um, and, and he even touches on some of that. And so, yeah, like this, there's this connection between, hey, like this guy's, this guy's saying that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is, is about what I'm doing in part of my everyday life. And, and I think that's important for us to remember, too, that, that I can, the, the kingdom of heaven is like me going to HEB. And maybe part of, part of kingdom work is, is how I go about my business at HEB. Um, maybe it's about, you know, how I interact with, with others. Maybe it's about the ways that I'm present with, with my kids when I get home. Maybe it's about, you know, the way that I go about this seemingly mundane task. Mm. Yeah, that could speak to us in all different areas of life or, you know, the kingdom of heaven is like my work as a research scientist or the kingdom of heaven is like me building a house as a construction worker. Um, when you're doing it Godward in relationship with him and that that is part of your good fruit. Um, Today, across the street from the vine, the Apple Creek apartment building that burnt down was being demolished. And I stood out there for a few minutes watching it and it was just incredible to see that huge machine just ripping into that building and tearing it down. And I felt this sense of kind of relief even though I wasn't involved in that at all was like something that is harmful and potentially dangerous and that represents tragedy is being torn down in order to make space for something new um, that has potential for good and good fruit and I just um, think that maybe there's I don't want to like stretch the scripture, but I feel like there's space and that Jesus gives us space to make our own parables for today, like to try and understand what does the kingdom look like now? Because most of us aren't farmers. Most of us aren't herding sheep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
So what, what is the kingdom of God for you? So that might be a fun activity to say the kingdom of God is like me doing Mm. this. (laughs) Um, what would that look like? What would that sound like? And then to evaluate and see, are you living up, um, to that and remembering that you're part of the kingdom? Well, we'll, we'll close today there then with, with those questions today. And thanks, thanks for those to kind of close us out on, um, and so I would be curious to know, like I said, we've, there's a lot of time between this podcast and, and when we'll explore that more deeply in, in other sermons and podcasts. And so if, uh, as we've invited kind of reflection and response before, if you have, if anyone else has a thought on, uh, on parables in general or a theme you would like us to explore in that or a specific parable that's been meaningful to you or confusing to you, um, I think... If, if we're, if we're honest about the parables, both of those probably exist, ones that are meaningful for us and ones that we say, I still don't really get what this one's getting at. <laughs> um, and so we'll, we'll tackle a lot of that um, later in the year. But Rachel, once again, thank you for, for joining me today. Thank would you. you uh, would you be willing to close us in prayer today? Yeah, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.